Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. You know, I'm a really keen gardener, and so I get excited when we have gardening metaphors in the scriptures. Indeed, in many places in the Hebrew Bible, God's um, people are described as a vineyard. So Jesus here is building upon an established tradition. Indeed, when he describes himself as the true vine, it's a wonderful picture, isn't it? of who he is and how God is working with his people. Although we might wonder if he's actually saying something a little bit contentious. For if he is the true vine, is he also suggesting that there are other false or inferior vines? Well, one could read it this way. And there is certainly a sense in that all of Jesus's quite audacious claims, some conflict of thought is ine inevitable. And he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. That's also fairly non-negotiable, isn't it? However, it's important, I think, to remember that Jesus wasn't setting himself up against Judaism, or indeed any other faith for that matter. For the point at which he gave this picture Jesus and the gospel writer John, for that matter, were, he was speaking and writing from a Jewish perspective, primarily to Jewish people. And so there was no conflict here. They were only God's people, God's true vine. And it's probably only later when St. Paul and others began preaching in earnest to the Gentiles and seeing a growth in Gentile converts to the Jewish Christian faith, as it was then, that the concept of being grafted into the vine becomes a much more prominent theme. Indeed, until this point, and still now for us, it's not the origin of the wine stock that's important, but rather the tending and the pruning, and the fruitfulness that's the most important part. And so whether we identify ourselves as natural or grafted branches of the vine, that's unimportant here. If we are part of the vine, then we are indeed rooted in God, and there will be times 
when we need God's help to tend and prune. We might experience this as we make our confession and receive God's forgiveness. We might experience this when we give up or lose something in our lives. Such a loss can be really quite painful, especially if it's not chosen. But God, the master gardener, can bring new growth and blessings in all sorts of unexpected places if we allow it. And of course, it's important to remember that no plant chooses to be pruned. Although perhaps some of us still waiting for lockdown haircuts might think differently. No plant chooses to be pruned. And yet without such pruning, a cultivated plant cannot flourish or reach its full potential. And whether we like it or not, we, of course, need one another too. As my illustration, I hope, earlier pointed out, we cannot thrive in isolation. And certainly the last year has shown us that. We see this clearly in our reading from Acts. This Ethiopian eunuch is a Jew. He's studying the Hebrew scriptures. He's just been worshipping in the temple. And yet, he needed Philip to explain the significance of what he was reading. He needed Philip to tell him about Jesus. And finally, he needed Philip to baptize him in the name of Christ. And that image I gave of the candles Sometimes we might need one another to relight our fire. I should have included that in the imagery. And I wonder who it was that explained the Christian faith to you. I wonder who it was that baptized you or brought you for baptism into the Christian family. Maybe you don't remember your baptism if you were very small. It's interesting that this, this eunuch is considered the patriarch of the Coptic church. I think it's wonderful that in God's economy, someone who was himself unable to bear children becomes father to a whole new church community, a new church family. And of course, this is the only time he appears in the book of Acts, indeed in the Bible, but he does not disappear from God's sight and he does not disappear from the church. He is still part of the vine. This is a vine that can have branches in many places physically. It's probably where the metaphor breaks down a little bit. Indeed, we can, as I said already, we can act and we must act independently from, the, from our community, from our place. We are sent out, aren't we, during the week um, and then we regather on Sundays and at other times for that encouragement. We do need to act independently as well as the body of Christ. And yet we do return always to the source of life to recharge our spiritual batteries, to draw sustenance, to enable us to flourish where we are. 
And I think this is the life in all its fullness of which Jesus spoke elsewhere. I also think one of the principal sources of our spiritual nourishment is through receiving communion. The symbolism here is richly layered, isn't it? For it is in part literally fruit of the vine. Now, of course, I'm aware that many of you will say, but we're not receiving the cup at the moment. Well, that is true, and I'm sorry if this is so. But if we get held up on that fact, we miss an important point. For Christ's presence, his spiritual sustenance, is found equally in both elements. I'm sure you, sure you know this. And when we receive in one kind, we receive the spiritual blessing in all its fullness. Our sharing in this sacrament is one of the primary ways that we identify ourselves after our baptism as being part of Christ's church, part of Christ's true vine. And so I wonder this morning, how is it that we are, how are we plugged in, as it were, to the, to the true vine how is the source of our nourishment? Perhaps some, either watching or listening this morning, are perhaps still to take that step as the eunuch in our first reading. Perhaps you haven't been baptized. Perhaps you're still searching for meaning and purpose in life. Searching in the scriptures, searching in the Christian faith, perhaps. If that is you, I would say, please do not be deterred. For the Christian family is an open invitation. We do, of course, have a particular way of becoming part of a community and worshipping together. But it is open to all. And all questions and searching is good. Even those of us who've walked this journey of faith for many years will, of course, continue to have questions. So do keep asking them. There's never a sense in which we've arrived, I think, until this side of glory anyway. There's always more to discover, more to find out of God and his purposes among us. Are we open to that road of discovery? God's generosity and God's love are always beyond our own. Are we open to receiving it? Are we open to sharing it with others? And perhaps more difficult, are we open to God's pruning and tending? Are we open to God's direction and commissioning? For there are always new things to do. So I invite you to take a moment, as indeed I will too, in silence now, to reflect on our place in God's vineyard. To consider our needs, even this morning. What sustenance do we seek from God? What might God be calling us to offer to him?